All hands, prepare for the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Stand by for transmission. Well, welcome back this week on Star Trek. <laughs> Starfleet. What am I saying, Star Trek? <laughs> now, you can use that for a blooper roll. Yeah. On Starfleet. Escape pod. Very good. On the... Four-Eyed Radio Network. Network. Uh, I'm Aaron. Supposed to be, <laughs> and I'll only start talking about dental things again. So, yeah. uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Marty. I'm Eric. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, before we start, I'd like to wish Marty Hogan a happy birthday. You're not supposed to say that out in out, out in public. <laughs> I'm not. I'm How old are you now? For, How old am I now? Yeah. That's not something you're supposed to ask a lady. <laughs> Anyways, I'm older than you. Let's put it that way. That's true. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Now let's forget that. Cause it's only one day a year, and it was yesterday, actually. Yes, I know. If if you follow Twitter or Facebook, I I mentioned it. You tweeted me. Wait a minute. I, t- I tweeted, tweeted your me. birthday, and I posted it on our Facebook page. This week we are talking about religions of Star Trek. You know, there's two things you're not supposed to talk about in life. What's that? Politics religion and religion. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess in Star Trek, that's okay. I bet you people would have a bigger problem with us saying something about a religion in Star Trek than they would in a real religion, but that's okay. So, before we get to that, Aaron has some news. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll jump. Eric, do you want to take the uh, first bullet here? Sure. La La Land Records marks its 10th anniversary with the release of the Star Trek original series soundtrack collection at the historic Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, California, December 3rd, 2012 at 7.30 p.m. So if you're in the L.A. area, uh, you can join them for the release of this great soundtrack collection. It's actually La La Land Records. 10th oh, it anniversary. is. Oh, it's La La Land. Te- okay. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So um, they release a lot of soundtracks for shows that maybe not necessarily would get a huge major release. And they also do kind of obscure soundtracks for smaller movies and television shows. Yep. So this is their huge, uh, uh, one of their larger releases for the entire original series. So I, I'm i actually going to try and get that. Ah. I thought you were going to say you are going to try to get out there. No, no. <laughs> it's a little out of That's my budget. a little budget. bit more expensive. <laughs> right. I'll pay the money for the CD, but not... People still buy CDs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, once, I in once in a while. Once in a while. Before they steal them and rip them and put them into MP3 format. But anyways. But the event is free to anyone who... Uh, is out there and, and goes, and they're going to be given some giveaways. But the the entire collection is going to be released December fourth, and it's a retail price of two hundred and twenty five dollars. Oh, it's wow. pretty much got every uh, piece of music from the entire series. Wow! Yeah, it's pretty big and a uh, pretty big release. Hmm. Well, that sounds. Very interesting, actually. I wish I was out in the West Coast. I'd go to that, but yeah, it'll be a little bit more than $200 to go out the West Coast. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so what's next? So next is a, kind of a funny news story that I stumbled on accidentally. Sure. Uh, 
No, it's true. It was um, someone on my Facebook feed, actually a friend of ours, really? posted a story. That had to do with this? Uh, that It didn't. Um, it had to do with, uh, like, Neiman Marcus not um, decorating for Christmas so yeah. early. I clicked on it. It was going through pictures, and then I saw this story. Okay, so read it. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So, A. James T. Kirk. Not uh, the James T. Kirk. Not the James T. Kirk, but A. James T. Kirk uh, was arrested for armed robbery. Kirk pulled a knife on a clerk at the Dollar General store in Pacific, Missouri on 11-6-2012, around 6.45 p.m. Yeah, so in the article, they actually make a lot of Star Trek references. Really? Yeah. Is, uh, is his middle name Tiberius? I don't think it is. That's interesting. So this guy named James T. Kirk went into a general store. Where was it? Pacific? Pacific, Missouri. Who knows? Maybe a distant ancestor of our Captain Kirk. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Although in the new movie, he was he he could have been arrested for Grand Theft Auto. Oh, the the new Kirk. Yeah, he was a kid, but he could have been put in juvie for Grand Theft Auto. That's true. Uh, he also ended up destroying that car. Yes. <laughs> so the next thing is pretty cool, Eric put on here, Microsoft closes in on Star Trek's Universal Translator. The uh, Universal Translator was confiscated. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, basically a person speaks, a computer translates it. And then puts it in a, in a modulated way that sounds like them. Yeah, it sounds like they're speaking in that foreign language. Interesting. Uh, did you see the video, Eric? Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it also makes me worried that somebody could save that tone of voice mm -hmm. and then turn it into like just basically they can speak with your voice. You know what I'm saying? Well, it could I feel, happen. I feel like they're close to that now. I guess. Anyway. Well, they are if they have this. Well, yeah. Yeah. But Aaron, I won't be over for an hour. My <laughs> wife's got me shot in the back room. So it's uh Actually, Data, who was able to mimic Captain Picard's voice in an episode, I can't remember the name, but he was able to lock out the computers because the computer thought he was Captain Picard. Didn't they think oh, yeah. about that? Didn't they think about that? Because Data could do that at any point. Right. You know, self, don't you push me or I'll self-destruct <laughs> this thing. Well, I think it's another step of uh, Star Trek or re real life... Uh, Catching up before Star Trek. Yeah, pushed by Star Trek, actually. Yeah. But um, could you see that, that you wouldn't even have to learn the language? You could speak to somebody without even having a problem? Yeah, I think that, that would, would be, be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think Koshi would have liked this. Who? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> One of the things I find funny about that is that by the time we get to the Star Trek time, like, mm -hmm. They do it to a point now, but she could figure out languages based on other languages, which you, you can do, mm -hmm. but not as fast as what she did. No. I mean, she would get that language and be like, seven minutes later, well, I think I know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then like six minutes after that, she's speaking to him in a third language. So I, I think part of that was helped with the computers of the mm -hmm. Enterprise. 
I hope so. so. Yeah, she's definitely getting some assistance there. No, what she has is that Microsoft thing, actually, is what. Yeah, they, yeah. She hired her, her because little she earbud. Speak all these languages, but it was really the translator. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of awesome. Yeah, definitely. I bet you it will be way too cost prohibitive, but well, I I feel eventually there'll probably be an app that can do this. Yeah. And then you'd be able to and speak your in iPhone would be able to. Yeah, you would speak into your iPhone or whatever kind of Speaking mobile of device. IPhone, is uh-huh. that what's next on there? But it's not. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to it though. You can speak into it. Yeah. And then it'll just you know hit play, translate, and I mean, we then we'll do, do this it. whole show in another language and not even know we speak in that language. Right. Oh, I know what's next. Yes. So <laughs> uh, next is. Uh, they're having this vote for the Star Trek Enterprise Blu-ray cover art, which is pretty cool for seasons one and two, right? Yeah, seasons one and two. And as we were discussing before we went on, you really mean Enterprise, not Star Trek Enterprise, because it wasn't officially Star Trek Enterprise until, what was it, like third season? Third season, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I'm sure they'll just rebrand it. Because when they first did it, when they first came out, when, it, when what was it, Voyager went off the air and they announced the start of Enterprise? Yeah. All you saw was the word Enterprise, and you're like, where's the word Star Trek? Right. They already have three designs. You just pick to vote which one you want. Mm. Okay, so, so, for the Blu-ray covers. So they already have three pre-made uh, designs. So let's see. We're looking at them right now. And the first one the first one kind of looks like a stereotypical Star Trek box. Yeah. Kind of. The second one is different because it shows the ship a little differently. The third one definitely looks like a stereotypical Star Trek box because it has, instead of the Delta Shield, it has the Enterprise patch. Although uh, I do like it. I always like the patch. Yeah, me too. Um, that was actually the one I voted for, I think, because it also has uh, Captain Archer's face on it. And he's different in both of them. Well, these are uh, concepts, so I think they yeah. might get better shots of Archer. But I, I like it. It's iconic, and uh, Scott Bakula was a really big star of that series. So I'm not sure how I feel about these, actually. That's strange. You're usually very opinionated on things. No, just kidding. <laughs> Well, for that last one with uh, that's dominated by the Enterprise patch, I feel like you don't need Bacula there at all. Just like the yeah. Star Trek, the Next Generation ones where it was the Delta Shield? Yeah. Or if you're going to do that, have maybe Archer in one, T'Pol in another one, Trip yeah, on another one. Yeah, I don't want four years of different pictures of Archer, like that one at the top. Yeah, I, I I think the top one is uh I mean it's just like the three members looks, of the crew. Yeah, the top mm. one looks way too much like Babylon Five though. The design. Yeah. Uh, it kind of looks Romulan to me. Oh yeah, you're right with the yeah. uh, with the silver accents going yeah. off of it. Yeah, but like you the can, talons. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go to uh, StarTrek.com and uh, vote on that. Or Star Trek's official uh, Facebook page. Uh, so next, we have a com badge, uh, which is wearable. <laughs> it's basically a it's a Bluetooth wearable speakerphone uh, that connects to your iPhone or Android phone. 
I mean, I could have already done that. We could have just taken the speakerphone from inside the car, you know, those ones they put for the clip and just put yeah. it on your shirt. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I don't really see the practicality in this. I don't think it's for practicality there, Aaron. I think it's to sell. Well, they, well, they also, uh, there's like you three can't dial on it. Uh, well, you, with Siri. Yeah. Uh, you, you press, you press it, and then you'd be like Siri, dial, blah blah blah, and then it'd be like dialing, blah blah blah. Oh, that thing. Yeah. So you kind of tap it like a computer. Yeah. Like you, a com badge. Yeah. Right. You tap it. Uh, when it rings, um, it will ring, and it has LED lights that start blinking. I don't remember any combat in Star Trek blinking. I had a toy start. Uh, I had a toy Star Trek combat when I was younger, which was Again, not huge a and had lights in it. And it had light. Had a light. I remember that one. Yeah. Did you it was ever like have a red that, Eric? one? Wasn't it? No, I, I I don't remember that one. <laughs> it was uh, so it was a playmate's toy. Um, of course. What was her, what was her name? I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, and it was. Meant to be the combat, but it was way too big. Well, it was supposed to be almost farcical of itself. It was supposed to be for the kids, you know. It was for, yeah, it was for the kids. But like you. the phaser was more realistic than yeah. Make, oh, yeah, the, I, I make the, the weapon realistic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, and like you tap it, and like the very top of the Delta Shield kind of like lit up. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. So is this um, coming to stores? Can we pre-order it? Uh, you can pre-order it on uh, www.indiegogo.com slash projects slash 267138. Uh, so it's not a actual product yet. They're trying to get the funding for the project. Oh, that's what it is, yeah. Um, but you get it if you pre-fund it. Yeah, so it's like they're looking for a thousand, uh, hundred, wait, wait, let me... Check $100,000. Yeah, $100,000. And in increments of what? Sure. Or are they just doing an open? Uh, so that's it right yeah. there? Yep, that's it right there. That's kind of ugly. No offense, but that's kind of not what I expected it to be. Yeah, so I th thought it would be more like smaller com badge type. Well, there's, there's three models. There's the one that's just the speaker that clips on. There's another one with a uh, badge, badge holder, holder and then the one that you can hold the badge that moves. Yeah, it has like a, a lanyard, yeah. lanyard, retractable lanyard. But right. Eric, don't you think it would have been a little smaller? Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell from these pictures, but yeah, and I was expecting something at least a bit slimmer. And it <laughs> yeah. looks yeah. just like uh, you took the bottom of your old phone from 1985 and put it on your shirt. <laughs> Because it looks like one of those round, you know, this unscrewable. Remember the bottom of the phone where you talked into it was unscrewable. It's kind of like you took that piece and put it on your shirt. I say, looks like just a speaker. Yeah, that's well, that's basically what it is, uh, and it's they have five thousand and seven dollars raised and so far, and they have thirty days left. How long has this been up? Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but. For at least a week, because the Combadge Twitter account started following me. Yeah, the, if it's seven days already and they've only made $5,000, doesn't look very promising, but I hope it is. Yeah, and I always I always thought the Nextel phones were annoying when people had speaker the speaker on. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine this being any better. No, it would be pretty obnoxious, I think. Yeah. I could see it being used on a... Um, 
on a military basis, like you would think for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I could see it being used in a a construction like Nextel was for. That mm -hmm. could work out. Actually, that could work out really well. Mm -hmm. But not for the personal. Because you already have a yeah. speakerphone on your phone. Right. Why do you really need another speaker? Yeah. Uh, if you Unless wanna... it's just to, like... So you don't have to pull pull your phone out of your pocket, but who's really that lazy? Right. <laughs> Wait a minute, I gotta get one. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, who is that? It's not like in Star Trek they have a communicator in their pocket, and it's connected <laughs> to this thing on the shirt. You're right. It, it is the thing on the shirt. So what they need to do is start looking into how do we make. I mean, the phone smaller technically. You know what I mean? That's right. not going to happen well, for a long time. You're not going to get manufacturers to really develop phones that aren't smartphones. Yeah, I know. And that's what this would be. Yeah. If if you're just It's an attachment to a smartphone. Yeah. Why are you smart? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It definitely is interesting. <laughs> it's a different idea. And I've, I've seen... I would probably buy one if it was on the market just to see what it would be like. Yeah. But practicality-wise, not very practical. No. I, I've seen people create uh, Bluetooth Delta Shield communicators that work with their phone? That work with their phone. Yeah. And uh, it has a speaker? No, they connect it to a... Oh, God. <laughs> a, uh, <coughs> a headpiece. A headpiece. Uh, so it's basically just the button you press to activate it. The button is already on the thing that you yeah, press. Yeah, but it's not the same. I know, it's just... Uh... <laughs> uh, so I think that is kind of cool. Indiegogo. So if anybody out there is uh, interested in putting some money towards this, God knows I have none. How yeah. about you, Aaron? Not for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Aaron just uh, invested in the transporter beam. I would invest in the transporter beam. Yeah, me too. Uh, give me all my money. <laughs> Take all my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to see it actually happen because I think that's the best thing that could happen to humankind, actually, because you could get things anywhere at any time. Think about it this way. The whole uh, the hurricane that caused problems in New York and New Jersey. We could have had supplies and everything there and people almost instantly. Mm -hmm. It would eliminate the need for fossil fuels, I think. Well, not eliminate completely. But... No, I still want my Hummer. <laughs> I want to use 10 gallons of gas for a mile. Right. All right, so what else is uh, coming around the bend, Aaron? So this is... Pretty cool. This was released, uh, well, announced yesterday. Uh, the Paramount Pictures were released the first nine minutes of J.J. Abrams' eagerly awaited Star Trek Into Darkness exclusively in IMAX 3D months prior to the film's official release in May 2013. Uh, the first look at the movie will play in approximately 500 digital IMAX th 3D theaters, theaters beginning December 14th. Uh, and that is going to be... Uh, in the movie The Hobbit, before the movie yeah, The Hobbit, yeah, in the right. previews. Well, I know what I'm going to see December 14th. <laughs> well, here's the question, though. 500 theaters, that doesn't mean every theater. No, well, how many it's digital probably, IMAX theaters are there? Oh, that's, I forgot. It's digital IMAX. Yeah. So, you mean I got to sit in the aquarium again and watch that? <laughs> I actually don't like the IMAX because I think it's too big. It's too much for me to concentrate on. Especially For a movie like Star Trek, I I think that's awesome. Yeah, I did the first uh, Star Trek I movie. I saw Star Wars in 3D. Yeah. And at the aquarium in yeah. downtown Boston. And 
one, it was too. I couldn't con- concentrate on everything. They're not mm-hmm. far enough back from the big mm-hmm. screen, so it was like overload. I see. But I don't think it's that way everywhere. And it's got to be the nine minutes that have nothing to do with any of the story plot and anything else. Because, and the bad guy's name is, and then it goes. That's it. <laughs> dun dun dun. I think it's going to be something a little bit action-packed, maybe to get everyone excited for the movie. I hope so, because if it's just dialogue, we're dead. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't remember them doing this at all for the first one. No. I I did see a... um, a, It wasn't a preview. I saw the movie before it came out. You did? Yeah. I'm sure they'll do that again for this one. How did you get that? uh, Nerds at MIT. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah I, I got to see the uh, first Star Trek movie uh, J. J. Abrams movie I got to see that I got free passes for an advanced screening yeah what was I under a rock I guess I don't know <laughs> I must have been because I've heard you're the you're the third person Aaron and uh-huh. Eric you'd be the fourth that I've heard uh, was at the advanced screening really and I never <laughs> ever heard of the advanced screening Anyways. Well, there was a local theater by me that was doing it, so I hope they do it for the next one. Yeah. Nine minutes, though. Nine minutes. Well, it's better than nothing, I guess. It'll be cool to see if... Uh, Actually, I think it's too much, but anyways. It'll be cool to see the effects. Yeah. Get a preview of the effects, see if they still have the lens flares, which I'm sure they will. You weren't too keen on that. Uh, It's all right. I liked it when they went outside on the ship. Right. I think it was cool there, but not mm-hmm. in the bridge where they're walking around and the kind yeah. of distracted me a little bit. But anyways, you would think that would also affect the crew members if this was actually happening. It wasn't people just shining lights into the camera. Um, well, I don't think you'd notice it if you were in the middle of a battle combat scene. Like, it, I think part of it is because it's so white. There's mm-hmm. a lot of glass. Yeah, and you have a window instead of a view screen. Yeah. Speaking of which, is my favorite part of the changes in Star Trek in that movie. You like the window? The fact of... that it's a window instead of a view screen. Uh. With the, obviously, it has a view screen laid over it so they can put digital stuff, but... Yeah. Anyways. D- don't know if I like that. Um, just... Because <laughs> yeah. if that window fails in space, well, there goes your whole bridge crew. <laughs> and yeah. I know they have force fields, yeah. but... Well, that, that happened... Work. Yeah, that happened. Well, remember when they switched it from instead of a real view screen, it was a holographic view screen. In uh, Nemesis. Nemesis, yeah. 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 That was a, no Insurrection. I think that was Insurrection. First Contact. It? Maybe it was First Contact. <laughs> I think it was First, first contact. contact. It was First Contact. Yeah. But whatever. It it just did. <laughs> that didn't make sense either. No. Yeah. No. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. View screen on. <laughs> yeah. View screen on know. or. Or open that window, will you? Pull up those blinds. <laughs> Roll them up. <laughs> Roll them up. We got Klingons. Roll them up. Yeah, that was the best. I'm sorry, but that was the... You see all this plight on the... What was it? On the Death Star? That was Star Wars, though, right? Oh, yeah. that the hey, family uh, the family guy. Yeah, the uh, family guy. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, kids, you see the plight here in the Empire? And they hear the blasters, and he goes, Roll them up. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so our... Are you done with the news? Done with the news, and we're going to introduce a new quick segment. All right, so the new segment (laughs) is, would you buy it? Yeah. Uh, You remember in RoboCop that saying? I'd buy that for a dollar. 
<laughs> I don't remember now. You remember that, Eric, remember right? That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I wonder if they'll have that in the reboot. I hope not. <laughs> so Think Geek, uh, I'm a big fan of Think Geek. So am I. Uh, they now are selling triple slippers with purring sound and <laughs> a Star Trek, I mean, sorry, and a Spock oven mitt. I oh, definitely with buy the, the uh, oven mitt. With, with the live long the and prosper. prosper, yeah, yeah, I would definitely buy that, but not the triples. I think that's just too far. You can turn; it's an on-off switch. You can turn the. Wait a minute! You just off. said to me a second ago you wouldn't buy it. No, no, I didn't say I'm going to buy it. I'm just saying if I ever were to purchase it, it has just like you off. don't have a triple, right? I do have a triple. It has an off <laughs> and on switch. I wouldn't wear triples on my feet. That would be inhumane. <laughs> it, w- it would be. Yeah. Especially where they're purring. Oh, my God. I have cats at home I could put. You ever seen that commercial with the two cats wrapped around the guy's legs? No. Nice boots. <laughs> and the two cats. <laughs> well, that's what I have at home. Um, but I don't need more things purring in my house. Yeah. Let alone slippers that look like triples. Yeah. So it's basically I mean, just... hold on. Time out. Let's just think about this for a second. I'm just going to pose this question. Yeah. Eric, Aaron, you don't have to answer this. This really is rhetorical. Yeah. But if that's a triple, yeah. where are you putting your feet? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, so purring. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's basically they don't just really a, purr. They poo. Yeah, well, that, yeah. the noise that they make. Yeah. So they're kind of like just like these brown fuzz balls. And then one day you have two of them going to bed. You wake up, there's four of them. Yeah. You go to bed, there's ten of them. Wait a minute. Isn't that the whole point of the Tribbles? They were pests? Uh, Reproducing true. pests? We we did go over Tribbles yes. in our last episode. So, I was the minority. You would not buy them, though, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I would buy them. Okay. No. Do you know what the price is on those? Uh, I don't, but let me look it up really quick. I would not buy those. You would not buy those. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. No. I have a lot of, like, I would go out and buy a full Starfleet uniform. Before you would buy that? Yes, because yeah. that's something that, you know, seems to be more worth. They oh, are yeah. $24.99. Ah, $24.99. All right. One, one size fits most humanoids. One size fits most humanoids. <laughs> Oh, actually, there's something else I want to add to this. Uh, would, would you, you buy, buy it? it? Uh, there are limited edition Star, uh, Star Trek, the next generation, uh, 25th anniversary uh, Pez set. So is it just two of them? No, this is a set of eight. Wow. I have the original series. Pe- I do as Pez well. Set. I do too. Yes. Oh, so <laughs> I think... My wife bought it for me, so... I, I think... I for would say one. I'd buy that. Yeah, and I'd buy, I I'd give, buy that for I'd a give dollar. A, yeah, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd give that to uh, our friend John because he's a huge Pez person. Oh, that's true. But anyway, I, I wouldn't buy it for him. No, I'd keep it for myself. No, cheap bum. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would buy that. I would definitely buy that. I would probably buy the Spock oven mitt, though. Would you? I've got a Darth Vader uh, spatula. No, that's true. There are a couple of Star Trek... Um, cooking, cooking wear, I guess. Cooking utensils. The cooking stuff, yeah. utensils that I would buy that Think Geek also sells, like the. I think we. I might have mentioned it. We might have mentioned it in prior shows. There's the Enterprise pizza cutter. Yep. A Klingon 
corkscrew. It's in the shape of one of the ships, like the D7. Klingon corkscrew. Yeah. Sounds like a drink. <laughs> it does. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a bunch of other things, too. So, with these... The Ferengi turkey baster, the... Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh... <laughs> with these... With this Pez set, there's Worf, the Enterprise D, Picard, Troy, Crusher, Data, Geordi, and Riker. Now, no Wesley Crusher. No Wesley Crusher. And actually, the first time I saw this was on Google was it Plus. In no, it was on Google Plus. Yeah. And it was posted by Will Wheaton. Really? <laughs> yeah. Will Wheaton. Yeah. Uh, there's also no Tasha Yar. Well, that makes sense, though, because she was only there for a year. Well, she was still There's no member of the crew. Uh, There's no Pulaski. True. That's true. Yeah. There's no Barkley. Yeah, we keep yeah. going. The, no. the, the main cast. The main cast, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess the main cast. The main cast passed season two when they really stayed the same. Well, how many seasons was Wesley on? Wesley was on for quite a few. Uh, like, uh, But like Tribbles, he was just a pest that we were trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. All right, so let's get to the meat and potatoes. The Let's get to the gah of the... The gah? Yeah. The gah of the episode. <laughs> oh, sorry, I had something in my throat. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about religions of Star Trek. Uh... One of the things I noticed in the original... Well, let's talk about Gene Roddenberry for a second. He was an atheist. He was an atheist. He did not... He didn't believe in organized religions or mm-hmm. the thought that there was a higher being. Pretty much, yes. And it he was, was his, no, his, <laughs> his insistence that... Religion be removed. Pretty much. Yeah, at least on the side of what would be the, the crew. Yeah, the human... So, yeah. Here's a here's a direct quote uh, of Gene Roddenberry's. I condemn false prophets. I condemn the effort to take away the power of rational decision, to drain people of their free will, and a hell of a lot of money in the bar- bargain. Religions vary in their degree of idiocy, but I reject them all. For most people, religion is nothing more than a substitute for a malfunctioning brain. So here's the problem. He could also apply that to government. <laughs> uh, I really I could, guess, yeah. but anyways, yeah, he didn't. He was, you know, and and in that in that in that thought, that's kind of interesting that the man who believed that at the same time a show his original series really didn't have it, but his although it did kind of. But, yeah, I mean they they had they had gods and uh-huh. powerful beings, but you know they were all like you know they were false. There was some technology you know, behind should, yeah. it. The next generation really pushed the envelope with that because it went back on that. Mm-hmm. It really did it somewhat the opposite way. It re reestablished religion in in Star Trek, kind of. True, but not with uh, humanity. Not with humanity. Yeah, but with other races. races. Yeah. yeah, and then Deep Space Nine really goes against the grain because, and obviously yeah. Roddenberry wasn't there for mm-hmm. most of it, if not all of it. For all of it. Yeah, yeah, for all of it. yeah, all of it. Yeah. It goes back because it brings it back to Cisco, and Cisco is a very god. religious. <laughs> yeah. He's a religious figure, but yeah. he's not a god. <laughs> no, but if if you look at it, it was the closest thing that they had to that, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, they basically debunk religion, not religion, but the thought that there's a higher being, an all-powerful being is right. really the word you should say, a creator. Yeah, it was basically many different aliens that people didn't understand, mm-hmm. who were more powerful that 
you know, like the power rates and the, um, mm-hmm. what do they call it? The, um, the profits. The profits, yeah. Right. So one of the things in the original series that, I don't know, it always caught my attention. Green girls? <laughs> the green girls, no, man. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, the great bird of the galaxy uh, was a mythical creature uh, invoked as a blessing. Mm-hmm. So Sulu, uh, in 2266, after uh, Yeoman Rand brings him food, Sulu says, may the great bird of the galaxy bless your planet. Uh, that was spoken in the man trap. Uh, so the great bird of the galaxy was a nickname for Gene Roddenberry. So I thought that was interesting. That's it, kind of funny because it's like almost interjecting the fact that He's God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's also a Well, human he's a creator. Saint. He is a creator. Yeah. I mean, in, in the whole idea of a God is that it's a creator. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the personification of a God in a person is that you create things. Right. Have you ever seen the picture? Of who? The Great Bird of the Galaxy. No. No. Have you, Eric? I have not. Uh, so basically, it's uh, like the body of a parrot, Gene Roddenberry's head... <laughs> Body of a parrot. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Gene Bardenberry's head. Yeah. Where's this joke go? That's it. That's all I got. Wow. No you know, joke. Sometimes I, uh, you know, sometimes I think back and he was one of the greatest writers and thinkers and visionaries. Well, he didn't make that No, no, no. Image. But sometimes I think he was an absolute loon sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't everybody? Yeah, I guess. The one that I liked as far as religion goes, mm-hmm. obviously the... The, uh, what do you call it there? The prophets and the pirates. The, with the whole Bijaran mm-hmm. existence, I think that was interesting. Right. But um, what was that alien? I totally forget now. There was an alien uh, race. Oh, I'll come back to it because I just can't remember it right now. But okay. there was one in the next generation that struck me as... Interesting. There's a few um, that we have listed from the next generation. So let's go through them. Um, well, what do we have for the original series? Do we have any? Uh, that, well, that's what the tough part is. Well, this, the one I just mentioned was the only thing that kind of jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else uh, was kind of like, you know, false, false gods, like Eric uh, mentioned and you mentioned. Uh, if we want to jump into the movies, well, obviously, Cyborg. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, what what does God need with a starship? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does God need with a starship? So in, in that one, we learn uh, a couple of different gods. But false gods, again. He was a false god. He was an alien that was trapped on that planet. Uh, true, but he shows himself uh, as... The stereotypical god. Right, but also he shows other faces, how gods other, from other species, right? And there's there was an Andorian god, just wore white, uh, had long flowing white hair. There were a few. There were a few gods. Mm-hmm. So that that was interesting. I don't think there was any other references to gods in the movies. I could be wrong. Not in the movies. The Star Trek Four. The Voyage Home. The Voyage Home. Doctor McCoy wants to talk about Spock's experience in the afterlife yeah. pretty much and Spock basically says without a frame of reference he wouldn't be able to discuss it with him and then McCoy says you mean I have to die in order for us to talk about it I thought that was amusing well what I thought was funny is 
McCoy had Spock in him. And uh, theoretically, that's his soul. That was his soul. Right. So maybe God was McCoy's brain. <laughs> I mean, come on. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? He was kind of like you, but without a frame of reference. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, let's talk about the next generation because there actually are references in the next generation. Right. So um, the Klingons. Uh, so the Klingons in uh, the rightful heir, well, in the rightful heir. The kind of equivalent of a god is Kalos because he's like the alpha Klingon and right. he returned from the dead, basically. Right. So he becomes the embodiment of what it is to be the spirit of the Klingons. Right. So it's kind of like he almost becomes like a Jesus figure. Mm hmm. To the Cleons and before Until they, they find out he's a clone, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so we really don't really see that much of Klingon religion. No, it's not really spoken well, of. N not in the next generation, right. but um, uh, later on. I mean, we see uh, in Deep Space Nine that the original gods who created the first Cleons were slain by the Klingons themselves. <laughs> right. Because they were more trouble than they worth. I, right, yeah. And th there was always talk of Stovacor, mm -hmm. which is their afterlife. heaven, their mm -hmm. afterlife. Yeah. It really isn't a hell for them. Oh, they have a hell. Oh, do they? I thought yeah. they didn't. No, they do. Yeah, and there's... It's a uh, uh, Grethor, Grethor, which is the, um, the barge of the dead. Right. Oh, okay. Which throws back to medieval time ideas on... The afterlife, too. Yeah, like Greek mythology. The river. Yeah, and we... Actually, that was in a Voyager episode, right, Eric? Yeah, it was uh, called uh, Barge of the Dead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, Let's just have a show on, on original names for these episodes. And uh, that was Balana, right? Yeah. Yeah, but Balana had to go into what she thought was the afterlife to avenge the spirit of her mother. It was, a, I think, a powerful episode. She didn't really know in the end if she really experienced it, if she really went into the afterlife, mm. or if it was just a dream. It, it was, you know, something that was induced because she was sick. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's interesting that um, they they touch upon that. And of all things, she's very, she's not as Klingon because she's half. She's not as Klingon as uh, as some of the other Klingon characters. Right, and we've seen Balana um, struggle with her Klingon side m many times. Right. So, yeah, Barge of the Dead was just a great episode that gives us more into the Klingon mythology of their afterlife and especially their, um, their hell. So what if we have Edo? Yep, so this was uh, an original series. Uh, not, sorry. This was uh, a, next generation, a next generation episode, season one, called Justice. Uh, so the Edo worship an interdimensional object which uh, protect them. Uh, and the Edo god refers to the Edo as his children. Uh, so in that episode, Wesley Crusher ends up falling into like this bed of flowers. Yes. 
And he's supposed to be put to death. He's supposed to be put to death, and then the crew intervenes. Uh, they basically break the Prime Directive in order to save Wesley's life. Gee, Star Trek break this Prime Directive? Well, never. Captain Picard. Yeah, I know. Never. See, I thought that was a pretty cool episode. That also had to do with religion, but it also had to do with social justice and right. the rule of order as far as how religion affects that. I thought, most of our rules in courts, mm-hmm. believe it or not, for the most part, are based on Judeo-Christian values. Mm-hmm. So murder is considered... Bad. Well, obviously. <laughs> I hope it's bad. Yeah. But it's an offense both in the state level and on a religious level. Mm-hmm. But it was created, you know, the, basically social order rules. And right. that comes from kind of the, the early religions, how they came up with, you know, what you shouldn't do to offend your God. Mm-hmm. Forget about everybody else. <laughs> right. I, I thought it was cool that... I he think... fell into a bed of flowers. Yeah. Well. That's what I never understood was the severity, but... Right. Well, each... Every crime had the same punishment. Yeah. Pretty... I thought it was cool that they have this uh, advanced civilization misinterpreted by the people as a god. Mm-hmm. And then that the people of uh, no the interdimensional people, people yeah. took on that role and basically played it out. So it could be like they were also breaking a they obviously don't have the prime directive, but they were obviously breaking the prime directive themselves. And it's interesting that one of the reasons that the prime directive prime directive was enacted was because just so you don't take advantage of a primitive culture right. because they could see you as a god and mm-hmm. you could totally mess up the natural order of their progression. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting that even the prime directive is Somewhere based religious. on something religious. Mm. And we saw or that. technological. Religious, right. technological, all that. And we definitely saw that in the original series. Um, captains misusing their power and taking over a whole planet. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it ha- that harkens back to reality where our navies did that to certain cultures that were like the islanders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And religions did it too. I mean, take over the whole society, you either convert or you don't. But if you don't, you ain't going to live. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. The next one I thought was pretty cool. The uh, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. Mintaki. Mintak- no, the, the, the Mintakans. Mintakans, yeah. Okay. They're proto-Vulcan humanoids, and they mistook Picard as a god uh, because the Enterprise was able to heal a, a wounded member, member of their yeah. society. Um, Which is interesting because they didn't have the technology or the medicine to do that, and they obviously thought, well, he's got to be supernatural. And their god was called the Overseer. Right. The Overseer. And they were like, I know the name of the Overseer. He's called the Picard. The Picard. (laughs) It was a pretty good episode. But I could see that happening in earlier humanoids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If one tribe knew what fire was and the other one didn't, and they didn't know how to make it, that would make them distinctly more advantaged mm-hmm. than the other one. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I'm sure if I traveled back in time 50 years and showed someone my iPad and started playing a video on it, they'd get freaked out. They'd still know you were a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. 
I, I really liked the um, episode that dealt with the Mintakins. Um, mm-hmm. It obviously it had a profound effect on Picard because even into the movies, you saw that he still kept the Mintakin tapestry that they gave him. Uh, yes, um, really. Uh, on the back of his chair, yeah, it was in First Contact Insurrection. Uh, you could see it on on the background in his ready room. So n- oh, nice little piece of that. continuity, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah that, that was about actually one of my favorite episodes of the Next Generation. Really? Yeah, I liked it. I wish it wasn't Proto Vulcan. <laughs> I wish they could have come up with a new makeup, a new kind of species. So it's harkening back to our um, our last talk. It, you know, they could have been an offshoot from Romulan. when the Romulans and mm-hmm. Vulcans split. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. They could have been earlier. Yeah, they could, or they could have just been way early versions of Vulcans. That's all. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, there are a lot of species that look identical to Homo sapiens, so I guess it's possible. Yeah, even as far as the the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Next, uh, is there anything else? The caretaker, the caretaker, right? Why are you human in the Delta Quadrant? Well, that's because he was pulling species, species from, and he found people that look. Yeah, and he could right. replicate what he looked like. But still, I mean, you get to the Delta Quadrant, and the first thing you see is an eighty-year-old man who looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure for every. Well, we'll we'll talk about that, in but another, yeah. I'm sure every species that he pulled in, he changed his appearance. I hope so. So, I mean, just to the humans, he appeared like Human. that. Yeah. So next, I'm also going to butcher this if anyone wants to take a crack at it. The Darcy? Darcy. Yeah. Um, Aaron would have said D-R-S-A or something like that. I know that. D-R-C? D-R-C. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I'm they were what? The mythology of these people uh, contained an epic drama involving Masaka, a sun goddess, and Corgano, a figure implied to be a moon god. Picard's dealings with this drama implied that Masaka was seen as a malign malign goddess, goddess with uh, Corgano as the benign counterforce that kept her in check, and that was in the episode. That uh, sounds Masks. very. That sounds very Japanese-like. Uh, and actually, that episode to me it was it looked more Mayan almost. Yeah, in, in yeah. the design of of the of the, the different masks, which would follow. Which would follow what they were about, like the god, the the moon and the sun. Yeah, they were always that way in the in the Mayan culture. That's what they followed. I don't remember this one honestly. Uh, this was the one where uh, there was a satellite that affected Data, and he was all these different personalities, and the ship started to transform. It was in the seventh season of the Next Generation. I personally did not like this episode. I don't know how you feel about it, Eric. I think it was one of the the weaker next generation episodes, but yeah. I mean it's I think it's still an interesting look in, into a alien uh, religion re- religious system. Right. Mm. Now I I probably if I saw it again I would enjoy it more, but the first time I saw it I was uh, 
let's not bring that in up. Fourth again. grade. <laughs> oh, no, what, what? Maybe fifth grade. Fifth grade. You couldn't understand what it meant. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, then uh, last week when he watched it, he <laughs> was in fourteenth uh, grade and couldn't understand. No, just kidding. I think this is one of those episodes that yeah, I haven't seen it since I originally saw it. So. Maybe if I do a next generation rewatch, I'll have a better appreciation. Yeah, of this I gotta episode. watch that one because that sounds interesting. I yeah. I don't remember it, and I yeah. watched almost every one of them. So yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. it I probably, probably did, but it wasn't one that probably struck. Just like you, I was in yeah. high school when this would have happened. I was, yeah. you know, but this sounds like an interesting, especially where you said Data takes on different characteristics yeah. and yeah, he basically becomes the different people of the society. And the ship changes. The ship ends up is. Transforms into the Mayan. This civilization. There's like, yeah, there's like a temple, uh, yeah. other uh, art artifacts and landscapes. Now how does that happen? How does that happen? Um, it's the effect of the the satellite that was sent out, <laughs> and Picard ends up wearing a mask that Data made in when he was in a classroom with other kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an art uh, class. He made, the he, mask. he made the mask with uh, Troy there, and he just kind of made it. Someone asked why the mask didn't disappear. Data says it's the mask I originally made. There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting episode. Just not one of my favorites. All right, let's get into my favorite one. Vulcan. Now the Vulcans are kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, do you want to take this, Eric? Sure. So in the episode, in the two-parter uh, Next Generation Gambit, it, which dealt with... Um, actually, help me out here. What what did that episode deal with? The Vulcans? Uh, so in, in the episode, there were... Picard ends up pretending to be a... Uh, an arms dealer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember this one. Yeah, and and they had different archaeological artifacts. Yeah, yeah. And so th- there was a ship um, stealing artifacts. Yep. And, they were and to... Picard went undercover, right? Yeah, they were trying to do a sting. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So um, they came across, or Picard uh, comes across the uh, psionic resonator. Um, mm-hmm. which, according to Vulcan mythology, uh, was destroyed by the gods. Unclear if that referred to ancient Vulcan gods or if it was part of just a allegorical tale that was associated with the Resonator. But for Vulcans, before the time of Awakening, uh, they had different gods, such as the god of war, the god of death, and the god of peace. Yeah, so the time of Awakening, that's when they... Almost destroyed themselves and adopted yep. logic. Uh, so also, there's uh, a reference to Shakari, where all of creation comes from. Uh, that's a Vulcan. It's almost like a Vulcan Eden. Yeah. Right. Or Vortavor. I can see how Vulcans would be, but they don't show very um, much religion. No, I, but the way they well, meditate and stuff, I can see it. They kind of remind me of monks for some reason. They keep it to themselves, basically. Yeah. And one of my one of my friends on Facebook actually posed that question. Um, he asked, uh, "This is my friend uh, uh, Tim." Uh, he asks, "Are Vulcans true atheists? They have temples and priests, after all. 
But wouldn't a species that operates on pure logic and lack of emotion not have such things? How can they coexist? Well, the the temple and God, I mean, the temples and priests, they're priests to the logic. Yeah, and... Because when Spock goes to take his, uh, what's that test, the... Um, Colonar. The Colonar. The Colonar. That's basically at a temple, and that's a priestess. But the priestess is about logic and about separating, you know, the emotions and all that, not about the gods. Right, and I think that since the Vulcans embraced logic, and that's what saved them, um, logic almost became a religion religion itself. Yeah. Yeah. And everything comes from that in in the Vulcan, current Vulcan culture. Um, I mean, they had medallions that represented infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, that's like a Vulcan's cross, you know, like a Christian cross, or... Uh, any other one of those religious symbols, yeah. Well, they also, if you notice, when he meditates, they have different robes for different things. Very religious-looking robes, too. When he when he died, they put him in his own robe. When he was um, in the last uh, movie, when he was in Star Trek VI, he wore that black robe a lot when he was meditating. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we're kind of jumping around a bit, but um, also related to Vulcans in Enterprise... Pajem was a monastery. Yeah. And that it was an ancient monastery from before the time of awakening. And they were still using it, although... They were using it for the logic, though. Yeah, it, it became adapted to the logic. And in Enterprise, it was found out that it was uh, a cover to spy yeah. on Andoria. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. That so, was a funny thing, yeah. Yeah. And also... The Enterprise episode Kirshara, which is essentially the Vulcan Bible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which had all of uh, Sarek's teachings, or Surak, my bad. Surak, yeah. <laughs> Surak's teaching, not Sarek, Surak. Too many S's. Cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting that even though they adapted logic as their religion, there's still something, they, they still have contras, which are souls. Right. So that's a very uh, religious uh, However, they aspect could, of it. They could say that it's logical to have a soul because even when, you know, the whole idea of a body and the mind, so, mm-hmm. you know, your mind, your personality isn't something that comes from your physical being, it comes from something else. So that logically flows from that. So what's next? The Niners. Uh, so the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta. Both believe. Both believe the founders, founders are gods. And, and, but they're genetically made to think that. Yes. They don't believe it because there's something they found in faith. It's mm-hmm. because it's written into them. Right. But they also come from the idea that they were created by them, which isn't true. They were genetically changed and advanced by them. Because the Vorta were originally like monkeys. Right. No, I think they they knew that because what's the main Vorta? Weyun. Um, basically said they were like apes. Mm-hmm. That And then the founders came and made them. Made them better. Yeah. And the other ones are basically drug addicts. 
Right, yeah, the Jem'Hadar. Mm-hmm. But still, even if it's uh, bred into them, they still believe that the Jem'Hadar, or the, the, the Jem'Hadar the and the Vorda believe that the founders are their gods. Even if it's genetically programmed into them, on some level they still believe it, and others doubt it uh, later on in the series. Yeah, they do drop it, yeah. And there were a couple of Vorda, weren't there, that they, wasn't there a way that they could get them off of... You uh, mean the Jem'Hadar? The Jem'Hadar, they could get them off the... Ketracel White. White, yeah. I don't know if they got them off, I don't remember They gave them, them something instead. Uh, but I know the Jem'Hadar definitely, some of them, uh, had their doubts about the founders. Mm-hmm. I don't know so much about the Vorda. The Vorda were basically very brainwashed. Mm-hmm. They basically were told what they were to believe. They believed it and didn't. They didn't challenge it. They really didn't. It was the Jem Hadar who doubted it and challenged it sometimes. Well, they were there, the ones on the field, the ones getting hurt. The Vorda were basically just politicians and clones. Oh, they were all clones. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they they um, were the ones that spoke for the founders. Yeah. They were the almost if you put it in another way, they'd be the religious ones talking to the to the people. So the Vorder were the priest Vorder, uh, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. There was something wrong with them <laughs> They're very I mean you know it was amazing how brainwashed like Wei Yun, you could see that character was very smart. Mm-hmm. He was very good at using people back and forth against each other. Mm-hmm. And he was good at uh, basically politics, too. Right. But when the, fo- when the founder came in the room, that went out the window. Absolutely obedient to yeah. the founders. Yeah. Even if he believed they were wrong, he was right. You know, I found that to be an interesting total faith in something that they would not see or not know, but total faith. Whether it was bred into them, genetically put into them, or they just did believe that, that was what it was. And they never really talk about the Vorda after the end of the Dominion War. No, uh, I guess not. Odo just, you know, dissolves into the the pool. But I'm talking about the Vorda, not the uh, founders. I'm talking about what, you know, they did they just go back to their planet, or do they still believe the founders are... Well, I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. They're still bred to think that. But it would be interesting to see, to revisit that, because the founders lost the Mm -hmm. Dominion War. So how much would this shake the Vorda culture? And Mm -hmm. that's the thing, we didn't get to see much of their culture. Well, yeah, they never investigated. They even went after the Jem'Hadar more than they did. They explained them more than they Mm -hmm. did the Vorda. You don't even know where their home planet is. Right, well, somewhere in the Gamma. Yeah, Gamma Quadrant, I'm sorry. But the funny thing about that is I liken it to what the Japanese people and culture believed in World War II. They believed that the emperor was their god Mm -hmm. or a a man from God, but, you know, equivalent. And that's why they fought so hard. They dieheartedly believed that this was the right thing because he was divine. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar to that. They would have fought to the end, very last one, if we had to invade Japan. Right. I liken it to that. So the the big the the big uh, topic for Deep Space Nine from the first episode to last episode mm-hmm. uh, was the Bajoran 
religion. Right. Now, did Which, that have a name? No. I don't think their the representatives had positions and names and titles, right. but they didn't. They, all they said was they were the followers of the prophets. Right. That's all they called themselves was the followers of the prophets. What I found funny about that was as much as they got into what the prophets were and the religion itself and all that, mm -hmm. they never really dove into like the aspects of the religion. Not a lot of it, I don't think, at least. Uh, well, what do you mean? Like the celebrations, things like that. They did some, but not... Well, they, they did, they did a, quite a bit of um, religious celebrations. Uh, the Gratitude Festival, Days of Atonement. I always thought that was yeah. I well yeah. I guess they did those. I mean, it's just it seems like it was always. I guess that's how it was written in the show. It has to be that way. But it was always surrounded around Cisco and not just the religion itself. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it would be kind of hard to just have whole episodes dedicated to the religion. Why not? No, just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't get people to go to church, but we can get people to watch Bajoran religion. Yeah. Well, I agree with you there. It's just, um, you know, when they brought in the... Now, let me ask you, too. I don't remember this exactly. This is why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. The prophets they always talked about from the beginning of the series. Mm -hmm. Did they ever talk about the power rates until really the end when they brought them in? Um, there, was a, there was an earlier episode um, that they kind of hinted at. I think it was like season three or four. Yeah. And... Uh, I believe it was Kira who got possessed. Um, Maybe, or was that a later episode? I'm all I know, all I know, is that it was right at the end when the whole pirates thing came in, and it kind of seemed just kind of funny that they would come out of nowhere. Kind of convenient. Yeah, kind of convenient <laughs> at the end with with what's his name there, Galdukat. Yeah, but I guess yeah, when you I, have when you have good prophets, you got to have bad ones too. Right. Yeah, yeah, they they were definitely featured in in the last uh, two seasons. Yeah, right. There wasn't even like a negative side to their religion at all when they first started. You know what I mean? Or one that they didn't really want to talk about. Yeah, that's <laughs> or maybe true. that's what it is too. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the only negative that I saw was uh, Kai uh, Win. Well, she was a politician. That's why. I, that's suppose. what she basically was, was a politician that became a religious person. A lot of times that's what it is. Look at your cardinals, look at your bishops, look at even popes over history. Mm -hmm. yeah, They're more was, politicians than they are religious people. She was very much in it for for the power. Right. Yeah. And she was always more about herself mm -hmm. than I think the prophets, but she put up that front like yeah. she was. Right. And yeah. that that ties into maybe even some of our religious leaders today. Like, yeah, like I just are said, they really yeah. in it for God? Yeah. Are they in it for the money? Well, the money gets better as the more power you get from it. What I love, too, was with their religion. Do you remember in the first few seasons, what's her name there? Uh, Kai Wen? Mm-hmm. Did she wear some other uniform or something? She wore something different originally. And then she had, like, when she became more involved in the show, she had like that hat instead of the, almost like a habit. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? She had like an egg-shaped habit, originally. I can't remember what she wore. I know there was a different Kai. Yeah, there was a Kai Opaka. She was right. um, the first Kai in uh, the first couple seasons. Yeah, it's mo it's like being the Pope. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, so that's why she changed her 
Yeah. What was she called in the first in the first season then? Because she wasn't the Kai at that time. Uh, she was a a, a Vedic. Vedic uh, win. Okay. Right. Vedic win. Yeah. So uh, Vedics wore the things that look more like a monk. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I forgot that word too. Vedic. Yeah, I can I couldn't think of it at all. It's been a while since I watched Deep Space Nine. Did you also notice that most of the religious symbols were also their military symbols? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the, the badges but, were basically the religious symbol. Right. It seemed like everyone was religion. part of the same religion, yeah. and yeah. It, it just was part of their culture. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they were so ingrained in the culture, especially because the the orbs or the tears of the prophets mm-hmm. had been guiding them for thousands of years. Mm. Right. So I, I think it was so ingrained that yeah, even their Military. military incorporated some religious symbolism. Right. I thought it was interesting that with Captain Sisko, he was the emissary. He kind of, at first, was totally against that. And by the end, he totally embraced it. Totally embraced it and became one with the wormhole aliens. What I like about Sisko's journey is... I think he didn't have a lot of faith in anything in the beginning of the series. He was just he didn't even want to be at Deep Space Nine. Right. No, uh, he had lost he had lost faith in every you're right, in everything. Right. And I think the Bajoran people, even though he was their emissary, um, I think that they gave and taught him a lot about faith. Yeah, they gave him his faith. Yeah. And I, I think that's why Deep Space Nine is one of my favorite shows. Right. Just, just because of that aspect of it where uh, it, it was a, definitely a, a lot more religious Star Trek mm-hmm. when they focus on... Yeah, Roddenberry wouldn't people. have been happy with that. I think it would have been okay since it's not humans. I don't know. Yeah, he he basically said that by the 23rd 24th century, humans would be pretty much atheists. I mean, that's... <laughs> right. so, I think he was a little bit far off on that one. I think people are atheists now. <laughs> Almost. Like in Star Trek Generations, changing subject really quick, Star Trek uh, Generations, when Picard enters the Nexus, and he has that Christmas scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that could be seen as religious, but even now, uh, it has lost a lot of its religious uh, meaning. It's uh, more commercialism. But the scene was very traditional. Because mm-hmm. um, he's right. French. That's the whole thing. It was French traditional. Look, mm-hmm. at, his, look at his winery. I mean, his uh, vineyard. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Christmas now is more commercialized. Right. How about in the time of Star Trek when money and capitalism have no meaning? Right. So now is Christmas more of a tradition? Did it go more back to its roots? It could have. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's that's an interesting thing to think about. Right. Definitely. Something that they it would be cool for them to explore. Uh, they won't, but it would be cool for the, if they could. We have a an evolved sense of what was it? <laughs> sense of um, morality or whatever it was. Yeah, and in the original series, uh, they celebrated Thanksgiving, which here mm-hmm. in the United States we're celebrating next week. 
Well, Canada has Thanksgiving too. They already and, had it. And uh, in the original series, um, I mean, they still had like a chapel on right. the Enterprise. Right. A, uh, I think I read it was non. Uh, Non-denominational. Right. Just yeah. like a hospital would be. And that's where they had their wedding ceremonies and whatnot. You can be traditional without being religious. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, when I got married, my wife and I got married in a church because that was our tradition. Mm -hmm. Our families both had that tradition. We did it more for our families than we did for us. Okay. We could have been married anywhere. Yeah. We're not uber-religious. We're religious, but not uber-Catholic religious anymore like we used to be and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that's not why we did it there. We did it for tradition. Right. So many generations of both our sides did it that way that we wanted to continue that tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I'm I myself am not very religious. So I I kind of I kind of dig Gene Roddenberry's uh, idea that by the 24th century or by even the 23rd century. But there's a difference between following a religion mm -hmm. or following or being religious and having faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the difference. I don't think that Gene Roddenberry, the man, would say not to have faith. Right. Because I think sometimes faith builds character. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Faith is a lot different than religion or religiousness. Right. I personally believe that all the religions are right and wrong at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think there is a creative force in the in the universe somewhere, mm -hmm. whether it's a him, shim, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. But it is there. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. I think uh, Ben Sisko uh, says to someone who asks him about his beliefs, he, uh, Sisko says, there are things I believe in. And so, leaves it at that. Yeah. yeah. And leaves it at that. Kirk says... A lot of stupid things. <laughs> Kirk says a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, but he says someone mentions gods. I, I forget what episode it was. I, I read it somewhere. But he says he only believes in the one or something along those A lines. One, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He said um, this is for uh, who mourns, uh, I think it's a, a Adonis? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And he says, man has no need for gods. We find the one quite sufficient. Yeah, th yeah that's, that's exactly... So obviously, Kirk believes in something uh, after that statement, and I guess he, by saying that, he says that most of humanity probably believes the same thing. Yeah. And in Enterprise, um, uh, there's an episode, uh, Cold Front, and Flock said that he's been to a Tibetan monastery, mm -hmm. and he attended a mass at St. Peter's Square. So uh, there still is religion. In the tw 22nd century, yeah. at least. So I, I think even if if we go to space like Star Trek, we're going to be seeing so many wondrous things that, mm -hmm. who knows, people might re-believe in God or, you know, think that, you know... Or have how, a better appreciation for... Exactly. Yeah, because sometimes when you see different things, it sometimes brings you back to that core thing. Even though I see... Even though, like I explained myself, I believe that they're all the same. Even though I believe they're all the same, it kind of brings me back to being in the Catholic Church in a way. Mm -hmm. So, I, uh, I remember seeing uh, this documentary. 
I, I don't know if you would call it a documentary, but it was it was talking about aliens. Um, <laughs> please tell me it was <laughs> from the history ancient channel? aliens. Yeah, uh, the, history, the history channel that's become was, well, maybe we'll get a little religious. But. It was actually on uh, the Learning Channel when the Learning Channel had. Uh, actual that, learning programs? Yeah. Actual learning programs. Like the history program actually had real history instead of this made-up crap? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So getting back to aliens, mm. uh, there was this priest that they were interviewing, uh, and they, they said, for their religion, did Christ have to die on their planet, or is it a matter of converting the masses? And I thought, I always thought that was interesting to think that if if say christianity is is right would other species um have, have to fall under yeah um well, or, or any other religion to yeah. other if another species has religion similar to us on earth yeah uh make that religion that we have valid yes <laughs> no maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah or is it just that... Uh, Usually what happens is it's just like everything else in life, which mm -hmm. is power. We go there, we conquer them, we convert them to us. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa. Right. It's never usually a mix. And the problem is, is we'd be better off if there was a mix. Right. But and I think that's what happens in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, and just think how much um, faith could be shaken if we make first contact... Mm -hmm. You know, who knows? People might just say, "Well, what are we doing? Like, what are we believing in?" Well, right? the, the interesting so much out there. The interesting one that I found was, and this is another movie, but what if? And it was a horrible movie, but the theory is good. Mm -hmm. What if we find our creator, and it's an alien species? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that our belief in God is any less or more correct? Mm. And everybody's like, well, that means that they were, we were created by them. Yes, but who created them? Mm -hmm. That's where it comes into it. It's like, you know, just because so, you were created by somebody else. Yeah, so kind of like the founders manipulating the Vorta or the Jem'Hadar kind of doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean that there isn't a creator that created even the founders. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's something that created them. Right. But, well, there was, that, um, there was that episode of Next Generation called The Chase, and that's when um, they found out that, like, humans, Romulans, Cleons, Cardassians oh, yeah. uh, were seeded right. um, by yeah. a much powerful alien species, that planets were seeded, and that could, could have been the whole galaxy in the Star Trek universe yeah. based on, you know, how humanoids... So are they our gods, or... Or something more or powerful who created than them. them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the old the old the old joke not joke, but the old thing. Who created God? Right. You know, it's all relative. It really right. is. But actually I forgot about actually, that. It's all religious. I forgot about that episode that you just mentioned, Eric. And I remembered I remembered not really liking it all too much. <laughs> non believer. <laughs> But yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was with the the preservers. That was the mm. alien species. But yeah, it's still canon in Star Trek. It it, it that happened. True. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> Can't turn back time now. Right. Uh, so another uh, gang to Voyager, I guess. Uh, or is there anything else you want to mention about uh, the Bajorans and the prophets? 
No, I, I think it's uh, just another fascinating uh, part of Star Trek, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad they explored the Bajoran people and their religion. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was definitely a very powerful uh, thread in the fabric of the series. Definitely. So, getting to Voyager, starting in the first episode of Voyager, uh, we find the caretaker as basically the god of the Okampa. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, the Okampa uh, worship the caretaker because they uh, receive their, I guess, power, um, energy mm-hmm. for their planet from the caretaker. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the caretaker? The caretaker and the Okampa. I never liked the whole storyline, but the caretaker I could see as being a god-like figure mm-hmm. because obviously, again, an alien that has more power has the ability to get to places, mm-hmm. has the ability to create or seems like it, and has the ability to sustain life for people. Right. So, I mean, that's really a lot of what early civilizations put into their faith in God was if they respected and honored and 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 revered the God, the God would provide for them. Mm-hmm. Think about it, you know, the seasons, uh, you know, like the... Uh, pray for rain. Pray for yeah. rain, pray for good harvest, yeah. you know, put this out for, you know, offering to the gods or God mm-hmm. so that we get good harvest. It's the same thing. Right. And we didn't haven't uh, we didn't really get to see that all too much because I think that was basically just in the first episode. With the caretaker. With the caretaker oh, and the Okampa. Yeah. Well, I mean, because c- we have Kess uh, for a couple of years. Yeah, so, for four years. Yeah. Until she goes boom. Yeah, <laughs> but she she basically knows the true identity of the caretaker, and I think she. Even when she was on the, her home planet, uh, she, I'm not going to say didn't believe, but she had her doubts about him. She had a higher thought. She she was one of those troublemakers. She, yeah, she was curious. She wanted to know. She right. did. She wasn't that she wouldn't believe it if she had the proof, but she didn't believe it on face value. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Right. And even when she found out that the caretaker was an alien... Um, just a higher level technology, it still didn't change who she was as a person. She was still kind right. and giving. And so even if someone's, I don't know, religious face, like they know the truth, um, sometimes it'll change them, sometimes it won't. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, kind of the lesson that we get from Caretaker, especially with uh, Cass. Mm-hmm. Right. But there, there, we did see another caretaker um, in Voyager. It was a female, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, Suspira. Yeah, and which was the caretaker's mate. Oh, do we? We actually saw that. Yeah, um, it was the episode of Voyager called uh, "Cold Fire," and it was uh, a season two episode of Voyager. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't remember that one either. Yeah, they come in contact with uh, a transmission that is is basically from the the caretaker like a, it's another caretaker essentially yeah okay. and they arrive at another a- array station mm-hmm. and it looks like up, the original right 
Exactly. Yeah. They come across uh, this array, but the array has um, Ocompens on it, hmm. and but they're not technologically held back. Suspira actually helps them increase their mental capacity. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's a it's a great episode that kind of shows the the dark side of of the caretaker and and how like if you go messing with you know your abilities beyond a level that you shouldn't what the dangers in that are so it's mm. a it's a good episode i'll have to watch that cuz i have totally no recollection of that episode and you actually <laughs> watched that i i i know i watched it i just can't remember it's yeah. been quite a few years but i know i only watched every episode once. <laughs> I know I didn't watch them multiple times. Um, unless I, there was absolutely nothing on. <laughs> and no, I, I recently did a, a rewatch of, of Voyager this past year. And yeah, it's, I, I think it's a solid Star Trek series. Yeah. But there, that's my Voyager bias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either people love Voyager or they hate it. That's what I found. Either absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. Mm. Whereas the other ones, it's you know most of the episodes were good or they were really good. It was great, but there were a few that were not so good. But you yeah. know, who you got left? Uh, so next is one that I I the only reason why I mention it is I think I mentioned this is because it was on Memory Alpha, and I'm also gonna butcher this uh, species. It's uh, like Kelamane? Yeah, the, the Kelamane. Kelamane. Uh, so, during the late 2370s, uh, Voyager became trapped in orbit around a planet where time on the surface moved at an accelerated rate. Uh, some of the people's ancient inhabitants were able to see the starship in the sky and began to regard it as a deity or a god, even setting aside a specific fruit which was to be offered to the new deity, uh, which in, they initially called the Ground Shaker. Later on, uh, they developed telescopes and discovered that the Ground Shaker was actually a vessel, which they called uh, the Sky Ship. Mm -hmm. And that was, in, that was the episode Blink of an Eye, which I vaguely remember this episode. Because they could see... Uh, it, it, they was, could, it was a great episode. Built. Yeah. Voyager, as I remember it, could see it like moving through time. Yeah, the episode or the planet was uh, rotating extremely fast, and it was almost like in its own kind of temporal uh, bubble thing. Uh, <laughs> it, like, like when Superman, yeah, yeah. The near us. It, their explanation was that the the tachyon core of the planet uh, created a differential in space time. So, time was moving a lot faster than normal space-time. Interesting. So, to what... Voyager felt like they were there for, what, a day? Exactly. Like, it seemed it, like centuries for them. Yes. I, I Actually, I think thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah, they went from um, uh, prehistoric to uh, pre-warp civilization. Like hunter-gatherers, and then they went into, like... yeah. Know, like Renaissance time. Wasn't this an episode of The Simpsons? <laughs> remember when? 
uh, Lisa had like this civilization. Oh yeah. And then they worshipped her. And... Yeah, and time changed. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah. I think the Voyager one came first, though. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken and the egg. Uh, so that was a good episode. I'm gonna have to rewatch a couple of Voyager episodes. It sounds like. I think you will. Yeah. <laughs> Another great um, episode of, of Voyager, uh, which deals with religion, is a uh, distant origin, and that's when um, the species called the Voth gain evidence that their origins are on this planet called Earth. Mm-hmm. And he, the the professor, uh, Professor Gagan, in the episode, they're basically evolved dinosaurs. Right. That were able to escape the the tragedy on Earth, like the mass extinction, mm-hmm. and they were able to f- go into space. Right. So they're way more advanced than Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a huge uh, city ships, and it's interesting because the professor is accused of um, harassing against his government's doctrine, which is almost a religious doctrine, mm. that their race was always part of the Delta Quadrant, and they were superior. So right. that's that's another great episode, and it um, features Chakotay, who, as a character himself, is uh, a fairly uh, religious figure right. on Voyager. Right. I actually remember this episode. I didn't really enjoy it, only because I found it hard to believe that dinosaurs <laughs> uh, <laughs> could leave Earth. Could leave Earth in a spaceship. It seems I only remember the episodes I don't like on Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't remember it at all. But let me ask you two: When you saw it. Do they look like humanoid dinosaurs, or are they? They're humanoid, but yeah, they're the, humanoid dinosaurs. In the holodeck, they sh- they show the progression. Yeah, the doctor and Janeway um, notice that they have several of the same genetic markers mm-hmm. um, as other species on Earth, right. and they do a um, kind of like a algorithm that determines that they were like plethiosaurs. Right. And how it, how they evolved into kind of a humanoid dinosaur. Right. I was going to say, but the, I mean, still, it's very... It's I mean, very far-fetched, and I think that's the only reason why I don't like this episode. I'm sure if I wasn't biased... You can, su- you can, suspend, <laughs> you can suspend reality only so far. Only so far, I mean, that You can't suspend reality of the past. It's yeah. already happened, yeah. But y- you have to wonder, even if... Um, Maybe some of these dinosaurs survived the, the mass extinction. Mm-hmm. And they continued to evolve for a few million years. You know, who's not, to, us, yeah. who's not to say that they could have eventually created their own, you know, civilization and, and left Earth? Yeah, because they have like well, sixty-five million between us. Right. So, right. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, it's possible. If it happened, but... yeah, there was enough time to advance. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely enough time for it to happen. Unfortunately, I think evolution as far as their species was just not going to go that way. (laughs) Other Voyager episodes that deal with uh, figures in our past, like that episode with uh, Amelia Earhart, 
the the 37s. Yeah, I didn't like that episode either. Getting off topic, but I didn't like that episode either because I couldn't suspend the reality enough of the past. Oh yeah. Although you don't know what happened to no, the that, so you well, could. I can suspend that. Yeah, and they pluck different humans from different time periods, so it kind of goes along with the whole alien abduction theory. Right. Right. So I I think Star Trek uh, fits it in. Pretty interestingly. Yeah, no, they definitely do an interesting job about it. It's just Aaron's a stickler for... <laughs> I'm just <laughs> anti By the way, I know Abe Lincoln, Abe Lincoln was definitely not a vampire slayer. Are you sure? I'm not. Not after watching that movie this weekend. That was a good movie. I liked it. Did you see that movie? I did see that movie. The only thing I can't in suspect in reality about that one is, is, is Mary Todd being the uh, fiancé originally of um, Douglas. That's, right. what, that's what took you out of the movie? That's what took me out of it. <laughs> not, not, not the uh, not the vampires. Okay. okay. Uh, so what's next? So next uh, we have the Talaxians, which Nelix is... Nelix. Now, are they religious? I don't remember him being yeah, religious. Well, they go into it a few episodes, um, especially when they deal with um, uh, that doctor who basically killed his entire planet, and um, or, or the, the moon. Um, and so they dealt with his religious views uh, a little bit in there, just... Um, you know, the faith that his uh, family was in an afterlife. And they mm. described the Talaxian afterlife. Um, he tells that story to Naomi Wildman. Okay. Um, and it's like this great tree and this this great forest. And everyone that, um, everyone that they ever knew who had passed on is in this forest. So it's kind of like the... Talaxian afterlife. Mm. So uh, Neelix actually dies uh, in the episode Mortal Coil. Yep. And he is um, recovered using Seven's nanoprobes. So his. But when he wanted to die, he he didn't want to be brought back. I remember right. that part. Yeah. Right. And he found out that you know they revived him, and he said that he didn't experience anything he didn't have um like this afterlife experience he didn't see his family it was just black it was nothing and his faith was shattered so mm. much that he almost committed suicide i think it's a powerful episode when that deals with religion and maybe what we've taught we're taught to believe is not true or yeah. Different. Our, our our faith is so shaken that we don't know what to do. So, right. like that time I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. What? I know. I, what? There there are kids listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Um. <laughs> Not now. Not now. Let Thanks. me tell you something. Any sci-fi <laughs> fan who and it, who's a child, mm -hmm. they're smart enough to know. <laughs> Getting onto that. Yeah. A really sidetrack really quick. My favorite sci-fi movie involving Santa Claus is called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Have what? either of you seen that? <laughs> now we've really gone off the It's a B-movie from... Really? You're kidding me. <laughs> from the... With a name like Santa Claus 
Conquers the Martians. Yeah, from the you early mean it 60s. Didn't have, it didn't have Tom Cruise in it? Come on. No. It doesn't have nine <laughs> minutes early in, in The Hobbit? Uh, no. Uh, it's really bad. It's really cheesy. But, but you like it. I like it. It's uh, in the public domain right now. Uh, you can go on the Internet Archive and download it for free. At the Internet. Uh, I think it's yeah, archive.org. It? Uh, it the 50s? I think early 60s. Everything from the early 60s is basically public. Yeah. <laughs> so, they were that bad. I, I enjoyed it, but moving on. <laughs> uh, back to Star Trek. What else we got here? Enterprise. I think we already... Pretty yeah, much- we, we covered yeah. that. Uh, they yeah. really dealt with um, uh, the Vulcans uh, mm-hmm. primarily. That was a major thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my, my friend Kyle said... Um, I like to hear about the political influences causing Christianity to be treated as mythology, but other religions, including Native American, depicted as real. Uh, referring to Christianity as mythology in Star Trek Four, I believe, when Kirk gets the glasses, there's a scene. But other religions, as verifiably true, always seem like Trek was pushing a politically correct agenda. Is this the case and why? And I, I think we kind of touched upon that where Gene Roddenberry was more like, you know, he was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And um, so, there, yeah. there was a Q&A session with um, Brandon Braga one time, who was an executive producer for Star Trek. And he was asked whether there was um, supposed to be a deity in stories that he wrote. And he's like, um, there was no consideration in giving humans talking about God or talking about those types of things. We wanted to avoid it, to be quite frank. But we did very often expose theology through alien characters, mm-hmm. which is frankly more interesting anyway. Whether it was the Bajorans and their religion or the Borg and their religion, they had a, the religion of perfection. That, I think, was more interesting. We want to keep Star Trek secular, the human facet of Star Trek secular. And uh, Ronald D. Moore, regarding the fate of specific religions in truck history, he said, Gene felt very strongly that all of our contemporary Earth religions would be gone by the 23rd century, but a few of us around here actually share that opinion. We feel that we should just leave this part of the truck universe alone. So it's it's interesting that... So if you want to do religion, do it from somebody else's perspective. <laughs> exactly. And I think that was a good way to avoid offending anyone um, any real on religion. Earth. Yeah, any yeah. real religion. But, but they could explore religion through alien cultures. But one of the things with using Star Trek as a medium, uh, you can explore things that not necessarily you can do out in the open. Like the original Star Trek explored uh, racism, race realism, race relations, and racism. Right. Uh, the half black. Uh, remember the half colored face. Mom? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know who played that person? Uh, a human. No, really. <laughs> Frank Gorshin. Don't know who that is. The Riddler. Yeah, the the Riddler from the original oh, Batman. Oh, yeah. he was one yes. Of, he was one yes. of two of them. The yeah. Other, somebody else. I forget who they Okay. Other I, I love I that, that episode. Mm-hmm. That is a good episode. Because they're exactly the same, except for the fact that the sides are different. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, Star Trek has always taken controversial topics, but have guised it through episodes and through different 
alien cultures. Yeah, they haven't planets. they haven't insulted anybody, but they really are putting it out there. Mm-hmm. They're making people think, and I think that's. Well, you think the best more thing when about it, Star Trek. It, you make yourself think right. more when you remove it from it hurting yourself or your convictions. Right. So, right. what do we got this week? The social question of the week. Right. I actually had two questions this week, but one got absolutely no answers. What was so, the, uh, what was that one? Uh, what is your favorite episode involving the prophets? Which is a very specific Eric, question. Do you hear the crickets? Which is why I changed it to... <laughs> <laughs> which era in Star Trek would you want to live in? 22nd, 23rd, or 24th? And before we get started, uh, Eric, which one would you pick? I would have to pick the 24th century, just mm-hmm. because they're so much more advanced technologically. I mean, I would love to be on a holodeck or, you know, shooting a phaser or, (laughs) you know, exploring the the 24th century. Right. I I think that's my favorite era of Star Trek. Marty? I'll take uh, 23rd century for 500, (laughs) Alex. Yeah, I think I put your answer in there. I do the 23rd century because, one, I always had, I guess I grew up with it, but... Growing up with the movies and all of that, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, that the Kirk era movies uh-huh. and even the old, the original series, that's the era I like. Okay. It's not, you know, I just like the uniforms and the ships. <laughs> that's what I like. What, what about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm a fan of the 24th century. I think that's because I... You grew up I, I grew with the 24th century version. Yeah, yeah I, grew, I grew up with the 24th century uh, with the next generation. Uh, so that's that's why I would pick the next generation. And if I had I to mean, pick another the 24th time, century. I'd say 29th century. <laughs> Although I think um, it would be cool to live in Enterprise's era just because yeah, it's, just still, the, yeah. it's still close to ours um, mm-hmm. uh, culture-wise, but technologically it's that leap. Mm-hmm, and right. it would be kind of cool to have all first contact with all these different species. Mm. Right. Okay. All right, so what do we have for the answers here? So going to Twitter, we have at subspacecoms, which uh, they run a, a really fantastic website. Uh, if you, What's the name of the site? Subspace Communique. Their website is subspacecoms.com. And they actually did a, a little uh, review article of an app that I made, a Star Trek app. Oh, that's why he likes them. <laughs> that's Log. why I like them. Yeah, so if you're a WebOS user, you can download my free Lacars launcher app. Uh, dumb, and Does anybody use WebOS anymore? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so their answer. 24th century, for sure. One word, holodecks. And that's what a lot of people would say is the holodecks, but yeah. I could give up the holodecks for... The Enterprise A or the Enterprise B. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I find funny is that in Enterprise there was a species that had the holodeck, and then the Klingons got that technology, and then you never see it ever again in, in Klingons. <laughs> right. <laughs> Any Klingon ship or anything like that. Maybe they just don't like it. They like killing real things. That yeah. or maybe they weren't really intelligent enough to use the technology 
or to never understood reverse how they were intelligent enough to get into space. <laughs> to be quite honest, maybe uh, maybe not smart enough to reverse engineer the technology. Uh, that could be the case. Maybe they just weren't into it. Next answer. Whoops. Whoa. What happened What's there? Up, uh, <laughs> uh, at uh, Pleblo Casey. <laughs> I'm awful at this, but whatever time Voyager is set in, but the time of Enterprise may be more exciting. See so the 24th or 22nd. Right. Nice. And the next answer... Uh, the Insane Robin, who's a good guy, he actually has a podcast. I thought that was the answer. I'm like, what is the Insane <laughs> no, Robin? No, no, no. The Insane Robin, he has a podcast, podcast? which is uh, about Voyager. They just started up, and he was... Oh, uh, hey, about Voyager, you so said. The whole series, about Voyager. the whole, the whole uh, radio, the whole podcast was uh, seven minutes long. <laughs> Hey. You tell me. You know I don't like it. Go and, ahead. Uh, they're on a website called uh, Trek.fm. Uh, good website. You should check it out if you haven't. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah. For the most, <laughs> for most of my life, when I went to sleep, I would dream of the 24th century. We won't go any further with that. <laughs> I thought that was a good answer. Double at, sorry, at 005, which is also part of the Trek FM family. Hard choice, I guess the 24th for the creature comforts. Good answer. Uh, next, at Greg Harbin, which I believe is also part of the Trek FM family. Family. Uh, family. Uh, 22nd, nothing like the exciting, uh, well, nothing like the excitement of the new. So That's the pioneer answer. days. Yeah, it was a good answer, definitely. That's the pioneer days. Right. Yeah. And then I had the special question that I asked to... <laughs> special question. At uh, Rooney... It's R-O-N-E-Y-I-I. He is... Rooney-I-I. He is a Klingon translator. I bet there's a lot of work in that. He actually does get a lot of work. Does he? Yeah, he's... That's awesome. He he's also a WebOS developer. Oh, I bet he gets no work on that one. <laughs> uh, I'm sure his sales are fine, uh, but he's translated things like uh, street signs when they had events, events in like California. Uh, he's done translations in for a cave in Australia. They have a Klingon tour in these caves. He's the one that translated the tour into Klingon. Uh, so a really cool guy. Uh, so I asked him, during which century would you want to live as a Klingon? Oh. And he says, 23rd, but not during the Organian peace. Want to go up against Kirk. Organian <laughs> peace, so it was after 6. No, no, this was, that was during the, the show, the, right. that peace. Oh, yeah, the, okay. the Organian peace treaty. Yeah. Right. And it's actually, uh, did you ever play Starfleet Academy. Cad uh, No, Starfleet Command? Yeah. Uh, they mention uh, the Organians. So when Organians. did that happen in the original series? Was that towards the end or the beginning? Um, oh. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember the episode, though. They, uh, The Klingons and the crew of the Enterprise were on board the ship and their phasers and destructors were changed into uh, swords. Oh, that was um, Errand of Mercy. 
Okay. Yeah, that episode. And I think that was the... That was actually towards the end of the first season. Okay. Uh, so who knows how <laughs> how long that piece lasted. Obviously not too long. Because then came the neutral zone. And then supposedly the dismantling of those space stations along the neutral zone. Right. But they never talk about that ever again. <laughs> yeah, I started having a conversation with uh, with uh, this guy on Twitter about about that. Because they never mention it again. Yeah, because I, I mentioned how... Because they still live on the home planet. And... Right. I, I mentioned to him how I felt that the Klingons of the 24th century lack something. Like, they're, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but they their thirst seemed to be missing from them because of the peace with the Federation. So going to Facebook, Jake says 24th because it's a bigger number. Then I guess he'd really like the 29th century. (laughs) Bigger is better. Uh, 31st century, yeah. Then we have Nicole, who says all of them. That's not acceptable. I'm Uh, sorry. You cannot play all sides of this. Then I have Marty's answer, which is 23rd. Good old Michael Jordan. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, And then our friend Eric Dewey says, definitely 24th, two words, Hollow freaking deck. Okay, that's I think three, that's three words. words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you do hollow deck, it's one word. Yeah, that's true. 24th century. Uh, the hollow deck's definitely a really cool mm-hmm. uh, piece of technology. I don't think I would... Transwarp drive from the from the one that really works, not the one that didn't work. <laughs> you know, from, from the Borg. 24th century Borg. Right. Not that I'd like to go up against them, but... It's interesting. Yeah. But the 23rd century had some really great things, like an alien ship that made weather things that happened because it had a soccer ball that came out of the bottom of it. And it couldn't contact whales. Yeah, it couldn't contact (laughs) whales. The fail-safe is, if the whales are still there, we'll leave the planet intact. (laughs) Who came up with this one? Yeah. Or the fact that the cloaking device still does. You can't fire when it's on. Anyways. So moving on to... My favorite part of the week. My favorite part of the so show. So this part is called... Do you know what puts my quantum state into flux? Or what chafes your quantum state, <laughs> as we learned last yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. You know what chafes my quantum state? <laughs> so, in the Next Generation episode... High. <laughs> in the Next Generation episode, the next phase, Jordy and Roe are out of phase, phase with the normal universe... Uh, this is because they were exposed to an experimental cloaking device. While on board a ship, they were able to pass through walls and people and other normal matter. In the state, however, uh, <laughs> it did not seem to affect their feet because they did not pass through the decks of the ship. The episode obviously wouldn't work if they fell through the ship. Because they just keep falling. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, uh, but logically, this doesn't work. Um, I hope you guys agree with me on this. <laughs> well, I could. No. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I see, what I would agree with is if they couldn't go through the walls, they could walk. They just couldn't be seen. It's understandable if they're in mm-hmm. a different phase, but you still can walk on a physical thing. Right. right. And then the doors open, they'd have to sneak out behind somebody. But that's really a bad logistical setup for doing a TV show. That's why. Right. Well, the I think the premise of this was that that phase cloak that the the Federation was testing 
I think the Romulans were trying to duplicate it, and that's why they were able to fa- go through matter, like that cloaking device. A phase, yeah. Um, You're really not there. You're phasing through things. Right. But that would mean all matter, not just selective matter. Right. Not it. That means that means horizontal and vertical matter. Right. In three dimensions. Right. So that is what puts my quantum state into flux this week. I'm it's glad you. Favorite, bo- huh? I'm glad you both agree with me on this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one you can't disagree with. Uh, but that would be funny if they fell through the like in Ghost Dad. <laughs> yeah. Ah! Uh, good movie. Uh, I like that movie. I do too. Oh, okay. I actually like that. You looked at me like, what are you talking Go about? Go to hell <laughs> and wait there. Yeah, so. So here's a big the... question for next time. Yeah. What are we going to do for our subject? So, so we're talking about this. Uh, so Eric actually came up with a really good list. I was thinking to do the Doctors. And we can call it The Doctors in. Ah. This episode, but, The Doctor's In. The Doctor's In. Ah, yeah, I gotcha. The Doctor's In. So that I, sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah. Just not Pulaski. <laughs> no, we have to include Pulaski. <laughs> yeah, we have to. <laughs> yeah, I think... I'm just going to appear for two years and then disappear. No, Only a one year. year. Yeah. And I'm going to disappear again like nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, definitely. All right, so The Doctor's. I guess that's it for this week. If you remember, send in some suggestions to us or some comments or anything you want mm-hmm. to either Twitter or Facebook or both. Right. And Aaron will have the next question out there as soon as possible. As soon as possible. As soon as Aaronly possible. Right. Uh, so He's got a very busy life. After after Monday, this episode will go out the Monday before Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, guys. So may, after. may you live long and prosper. Yeah, <laughs> but you probably long life will, and peace. No, but you will probably eat long and perspire, <laughs> or pass out. Yeah, or pass out. That's another one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So until next time, I'm Marty Hogan. I'm Aaron Gallo, and I'm Eric Berry. Have a good one, guys. Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can check out our website at www.novacharter.com slash SFEP. You can follow us on Twitter at SFEscapePod or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash SFEscapePod.